You are listening to Overcomers Church International Podcast. Here at OCI, we are dedicated to our vision of building strong people and building strong churches. From wherever you are listening, we hope this message leaves you equipped and encouraged. So we've got this um, this message that's really strong in our hearts, and uh, we're titling it. Um, what do we title it? I don't have the title right kingdom there. Kingdom-minded parents. Kingdom-minded parents or, or becoming a kingdom-minded parent. Now, let me say this. Before you say, well, either my kids are grown or I don't have any kids, this still applies to you. Number one, because even if your kids are grown, they're still your children. And you can learn how to be a kingdom-minded parent even when you've got adult children. And sometimes it's even more necessary then than when they're younger. Amen. But also, even if you don't have any kids, God's called us to have the heart of the Father to impart into other people. That's and right. the older I've gotten in the Lord, the more I realize the favor of God that's upon me to be able to bless people. And the favor of God is also upon you to be able to bless and impart people that God has uh, placed within your care, or within your life that you have a relationship with. And that is an honor to be able to impart the things that God's given to us to be able to give to other people. Amen? Yes, amen. And I just want to say that, too, like the Lord was just showing me this morning that, like, it really is today is a new day for a new perspective. Yes. It's a shift in from what you used to um, see or view and to what God is actually saying. Because remember, we want a kingdom-minded perspective. We are more than just parents here on this earth. We are people who are carrying the kingdom of God. And therefore, we need to have the mind of the kingdom in order to impart the kingdom so that we can go forward. And so what the Lord was just showing me is that oftentimes, especially in our parenting, and I know today, like he is saying, like, I want you to break free of what you used to think and what you used to know. And I want you to turn and I want you to look to me and see what it is that I am saying about parenting right now for those of you who will one day be a parent. But guess what? We're all like pastor was saying, we all are parents. Because there are people who need spiritual um, mothering and fathering so that they can go forward. And so today is the day where we stop relating to people in the past or the present past and actually start relating to people present future. Because we are the ones carrying the kingdom of God who are. Uh, have ability to go forward, to seek God, to hear from the Lord and say and grab a hold what it is that he is saying and then stand with him and speaking it forward. And I know the Lord, the Lord was just showing this, that there is something to be had that when you partner with him and what he is saying the, the propulsion and the momentum and the the thrust you can have in moving people forward not not even just sons and daughters but also yourself and I am living proof that when you get the the word of the Lord and you grab hold of it and you partner with it and you speak it 
forward that you will begin to see what God sees and you will begin to say what God says and you will begin to see not only yourself but those around you go forward like they were always meant to do go forward we can't be people holding people back anymore we are to be the ones that partner with the Lord and bringing people forward come on that's right amen Amen. Hallelujah. That's awesome. And uh, so this is like a kind of a paradigm shift that has to happen in our, in our thinking. And I know, you know, Liz and I have been uh, changing in our thinking how we see ourselves, therefore how we see other people. And so we're not supposed to just see ourselves only as children of God, but also as, as mothers and fathers, having the heart of a mother and father towards the people that God has entrusted uh, those people to our care. And so it's, it's really, it's a shift in our thinking. Um, and it really uh, depicts the mentality of coming into a church or being around people, being in your own household, um, being on the job site. And instead of it being a, a here I am spirit, it's a there you are. And so you come into every situation with every relationship, and your job, your goal is to find a way to be able to bless them. And so we're going to talk about, um, we're going to give you four realities of a kingdom-minded parent. And so I don't know that you really ever arrive to this place to where you've got it. Well, let me rephrase that. You don't arrive at this place to where you have it all figured out. It's a continued growing that we should be, we should be moving towards. But you have to start this journey. You have to start this process. The vast majority of, of saints that, you know, they, they love God, they're born again, they get filled with the Holy Ghost, they come into church, and they, they arrive to a level, most, I would say, or a, a, well, I don't know about most, but a percentage arrives to a level that they know that they are a son of God or daughter of God. They know that they are a child of the King, and they arrive to that level, and that is wonderful. You have to start there. If you don't know whose you belong to, then you can't cause other people to find their belonging. That's right. Amen. Amen. And so, but once you find that place, then we're supposed to step into a place of being able to bring other people up alongside of us. But we can't take people somewhere where we haven't been. But I feel like this is a message that's right for us because most everyone in here, most of those that are watching online, have some kind of concept of the love of God, the fact that you are, um, you are a prince or a princess, right? You're a, you're a son, you're a daughter of the King Most High. You have some kind of revelation. Therefore, you take that revelation, you take that understanding, and instead of just going, oh God, you love me, you love me, you love me, you take that revelation and you begin to bless other people. You begin to impart and to other people. You begin to pray for other people. You begin to help other people step up into what God has called them into. And you have a sphere of influence, even if it's just your own home, even if it's just one child, or if it's one person at work, or whatever the situation is, you have somebody or some people in your life that God has called you to bless, to impart, to raise up, to empower, and to see them fulfill everything that God has got for them. And we're standing here today as a result of the people that God has placed in our life that saw something in us that was was greater than what we were seeing in ourselves. 
And this is the, the strength, I believe, of the Lord that he's placed inside of mothers and fathers that the spirit of the age, the spirit of the world has robbed parents from their identity as parents. Therefore, they can't raise anybody else up where they're supposed to be because they, they don't see themselves like God sees them. I had to get to a point in my own life, not only as a pastor, but even as a, as a father to my own biological children, I had to get to a point to where I was like, you know what? I am the dad here. I am the father here. And God, you have anointed me to bless and to raise up and to send and to do all of those things. Guess what? You have that same anointing and ability and privilege with the people that God has placed within your care. What a privilege. Yes. Hallelujah. So we're going to give you four realities um, of being a kingdom-minded parent. We're gonna, these are going to describe what it looks like to be a kingdom-minded parent. We could take all day and just talk about being kingdom-minded. But when you're kingdom-minded, your, your, your focus, your attention, your gaze, your, uh, your understanding, your revelation that you're operating from comes from God's perspective, God's kingdom, God's, God's reality, God's truth, and not just natural things. And so a big part of what we're called to do as parents, as people that raise up other people, is to see past the natural and be able to see into the spirit. And I'm kind of getting ahead of myself, but that's what God's called us to do. Anybody can look at the natural and see the problems, but a person of faith, a person that knows their calling to the people around them is able to look past the natural into what God says about them and begin to call those things out that God says. Hallelujah. A person who knows their calling, a person who knows their identity, a person who knows the more true reality, these are the ones that can go and they can see. Oh, I love that. Yeah, That's amen. So, good. so here is reality uh, number one about a or of a kingdom-minded parent is that they lay up for their children. They lay up for their children. So if you're, if you're taking notes, here is reality uh, number one is that they lay up for their children. We're going to pull up 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 14 and 15. And I want to, I want to show you this here, uh, because this might be a little bit different language than what you're maybe used to, but this needs to become common language for you, to where you have the heart and the idea and the desire to lay up for those that are, are around you. And it's, it's almost like, you know, you go back to 1 Corinthians, I think it's chapter uh, 13, Paul says, that when I was a, when I was a child, I, I thought as a child, I spoke as a child, but when I became a man, I put away childish things. So what we're talking about is going from a place of um, being a babe, being um, an adolescence, to coming into a mature place in Christ, to where everything about you is about other people. Everything about you is about other people. Yeah, I was just going to say, it's just a, a deepening of more selflessness. Because oftentimes we're selfish people and we want to make things about us. But when we re, we change, we reposture, all of a sudden it's like a servant's heart where we're not thinking just about ourselves, but we're thinking about those around us. And when we're thinking about those around us, like, or asking to see those around us, like, you just, you, your wants, your desires, they just, they begin to change and they begin to uh, just fade away and then you adapt the heart of God. Yeah, that's exactly right. So yeah. let's look at this verse here. We're going to look at verse 14 and verse 15. And it says in, he that's not 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 14. That's 2 Chronicles 
So they both start with CH, so it's no problem. So we need to go, and I want everybody to see this, all right? So we're going to go to 2 Corinthians, and I'll give you just a moment to get that back up on the screen. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, and in verse 14, 2 Corinthians chapter 12. I'm assuming that 2 Chronicles chapter 14, I don't have it memorized, but I, that was my guess what happened. <laughs> Hallelujah. Uh, 2 Corinthians 12 and verse 14 and 15. Everybody doing good? Yes. Hallelujah. Amen. And remember, I mean, this is Paul, Paul talking. And like he had the ultimate heart of a father. Of a father, that's right. And so, you know, a lot of times, and even Jesus, like he had the ultimate heart of a father. And so remember, he said, I um, only do what I see my father doing. And so we need to take on that perspective. Like I'm only going to do what it is that I see that my father is doing. So then that's even just a deepening, like a greater level of, I'm not going to actually look and see what's happening here or be moved by circumstances. I'm going to actually look to God, like, and Jesus, he was a man, he was fully man, but fully God, and he saw circumstances, like, he saw, like, the depravity of people, and just them, and their woes, and their pains, and he said, like, I'm not looking at that, like, I'm looking at my father, mm -hmm. and right. so, like, that is just even our position, we need to say, as becoming mothers and fathers, is like, I'm gonna look at and see what my father is doing. Yeah, amen. It's exactly right. So look here in verse 14. It says, now for the third time, I am ready to come to you, and I will not be burdensome to you, for I do not seek yours, but you. I do not seek yours, but you. Talking about who they are as people. For the children ought not lay up for the parents, but the parents for the Children. children. Hallelujah. And then go to verse 15, and we'll read the first part of 15. And I will very gladly spend and be spent for your souls. This is an incredible passage of Scripture here. Now, Paul had a, had a unique calling that nobody else uh, since then has exactly what Paul had. But, you know, as an apostle, he was over several churches and uh, he raised up many sons in the faith, and, you know, such as Titus and Timothy and different ones. But you can see the heart that's here really is the heart of the Father. We saw it in Jesus, and it's something that every one of us are called to, to where when we see what other people are dealing with, what they're going through. And what I've found is that it's always about getting to the root of the problem. Because a, a, a real father or a mother, one that operates with any kind of wisdom or discernment, won't look at the negative thing their child is doing and say that that is the problem. They'll look at the child, they'll look at the problem and say, what is the undergirding thing here that is out of order, the pain, the hurt that's going on there, that we need to get that healed, fixed, set in place so that they can stop doing the manifestation, the thing that they're doing. And so the, the father or the mother, the heart of the father, the heart of the mother is able to look past the natural circumstances and look into what's going on. And, and that's, a, that's a laying up of the emotions. That's a laying up of just natural thinking. And ultimately, when you are presenting um, yourself to raise up other people, it's a laying down of your entire life. It's a laying down of your will. And guess what? Every one of us are called to do it. Every one of us are called to do it. And you might be at a place where you're like, oh my gosh, I feel like I'm barely treading water. 
You know what's interesting is that as we give out, it causes growth in our own life. The, I have grown so much in ministry and just as a father to my own children because it's caused me to go to the Lord and seek for the ones that need my help, not just to seek for myself. Sometimes we can become so uh, inward focused and into uh, having our own needs met, and there's nothing wrong with that. We need to take heed to ourselves and to others. And if you're drowning, you know, you got to make sure your head's above water before you can help anybody else. Amen? But whenever you learn to just to give out and to bless and to, and to give to other people, it does something in you for your own strength and your own growth. Amen. And so this uh, language here about laying up for our children is what we're called to. Now, I want to go to another verse, Malachi chapter 4 and verse 6. Malachi chapter 4 and verse 6. And to me, this is really, really just crazy important. It says, and he will turn, and this was talking about the prophet Elijah coming and, uh, you know, just the spirit of Elijah coming, and this is what will happen. And it says, and he will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to the fathers. I want you to notice something right there. It says, and he will turn the hearts of the who? Fathers to the children. Then it says, in the hearts of the children to the fathers. Which one was first? It's the fathers. It's the parents. Those are the ones that have the hearts turned first. Then the children come after. Sometimes when we're raising people up, there can be a there can be a frustration. There can be an aggravation. There can be a uh, you know a, like how do I do this kind of thing. And if we're not settled, if we've not allowed the Lord to raise us up, if you will, and put our heart in the right place, then we can't expect the people underneath of us to come up to a level that we haven't come up to ourselves. So it says he turns the hearts of the fathers to the children. Just because your child's heart, whether you're talking biological or a spiritual child or, or somebody you're mentoring, we'll, we'll use a very broad kind of look, uh, even if they're heart is not turned towards you, it doesn't mean your heart can't be turned towards them. Because the truth is, is that the heart of God the Father was turned towards his creation before any of us ever gave our hearts to him. And that's what, that's the, the, what love does. That's what it's designed to do is when the, the, the parent, when the one that has the revelation, when the one that is supposed to be leading will lay themselves down as a response to love, it will cause those to respond to that love that was poured out. But if you're looking to only pour out love based on whether they love you, that's not love. That's not agape love. That's not a love with no strings attached. But the heart of a father, the heart of the father, it says that, that, that God loved, he demonstrated his love toward us, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And you know what? Christ died for the entire world knowing that many, and I would say probably most people, will not enter into, that have ever been born, will not enter into eternal life. I think Scripture probably would back that up. Broad is the, is the gate that leads to destruction, and many enter that way. Narrow is the gate that leads to everlasting life. Few enter that way. But God demonstrated his love, and he paid the price for everybody. What did he do? He laid up for his children. He laid up for his creation. We're called to do the same thing. And it's not based on what they do. It's not based on how well they obey us, whether we love them or not. We love them, and we love them to the, the very nth degree, whatever that means. 
That's how well we're supposed to love people, and it is irregardless of whether they love us back or not. Hallelujah. That's so good. Like, I'm just thinking, like, when you said that, that Jesus, that God demonstrated his love. How did he demonstrate his love? He became the sacrifice. He laid down his life, and he did it with joy, and he did it with gladness, and he did it not even... He wanting something in return, which is just our surrender, but he did it whether he got that or not, which is the ultimate love. And so like, we have to ask ourselves, like, am I willing to lay down anything that I want just for the sake of loving, just for the sake of loving them without any expectation of their love back but I know it's like when you do this most sacrificial thing and lay down and just lay up then in love it's amazing that true um unadulterated no strings attached love like the agape love what it will do for the other people what it will do for you but what it will do for drawing because it's like when you truly love and we know this like with Jesus like he loves us regardless. It makes us want to run to him, not from That's him. That's right. Yeah. Amen. That's Hallelujah. right. Hallelujah. So four realities of a kingdom-minded parent. Number one, they lay up for their children. Number two, they leave a godly legacy. They intentionally leave a godly legacy. Now, let me tell you something about legacy. I heard uh, something that was uh, mentioned recently, and, when, and if I can pull it up here, I'll read it to you. And what was, what was said was, um, I don't want to leave a legacy. I don't care if they remember me, only Jesus. Although that sounds good and sounds spiritual, it was coming from a place of not understanding what a legacy is about. Because I used to think the same thing about legacy, like, oh, I don't care if they remember me. You know, and that's a good heart because it's not about us. It's really about Jesus. But the truth is, here's a true statement. You are leaving a legacy whether you intend to or not. And a legacy is not about people remembering your name. It's about the impact you leave that lasts even when you are gone. And whether it is a a legacy that's huge like, like Billy Graham's and everyone knows about it, or it's just the single mom, not just, but it's the single mom who takes care of her kids and, and raises them and does the best she can. She also is leaving a legacy with those that she has impacted. So a legacy is about what carries on past uh, the point of, of, even, of even your death. And so um, kingdom-minded parents leave, intentionally leave a, a godly uh, legacy for their children. And so this is something that, that Liz and I really have talked a lot more about in the last few years. Like, what are we doing as far as not just things that will have longevity to it uh, in terms of like, you know, the church or, you know, any kind of ministry or business ideas, not just things like that, but what we're actually doing relationally with our children and with you guys, what are we doing that is going to uh, be impactful and is going to continue on even past the point of our influence in your life. What is that going to look like? And it kind of goes back to the idea of culture. You know, you can have culture by design or by default. Well, you can have legacy by uh, design or by default, but you are going to leave a legacy. 
And when uh, your old toes turn up, as my grandma would say it, uh, what are they going to say about you? What is going to be said about what you did to impact their life, whoever they are? And so this is a real question that we need to ask. And again, it's not about making a name for ourselves. We always want to make a name for Jesus, but people are going to be impacted by you one way or another. What kind of legacy are you leaving? So kingdom-minded parents leave a very intentional legacy. Very intentional. Like, I just think about this. Um, It says in Matthew 6, to not lay up for ourselves treasures on earth, but to lay up for yourself treasures in heaven. And so it's like that heavenly perspective because you see the kingdom of God, it's ever increasing. And so the thing is that sometimes we won't even know the impact that we had on this earth until we, you know, get into eternity and see all the things. But it's it's very intentional. It's sowing seeds of love. Because remember, everything in the kingdom is seed form. And so are we planting seeds of faith and seeds of life? Are we planting seeds of corruption and seeds of death? Because whether you, whatever you're planting does spring up forth fruit. And so we, and praise God, like he is so good that if we sowed bad seeds, like we can just thank the father and see those gone and done with, and then begin to replant very intentional good seeds into the ground so that they can spring forth fruit. Because the thing is, is that we want, is we want, the Lord said, go bear forth fruit. And then the fruit is the thing that people come and eat. It's the thing they come and eat, and then when they eat it, what happens? They get seed on the inside of them, and when seed's on the inside of them, then they spring forth fruit, and then they produce. So you see, it's just production over and over, and so we want to be people to leave faith, to leave love, to leave forgiveness, to leave like a life laid down, all these things. We want people to come and eat of that fruit so that they can begin to bear it in our lives. So we all have a part to play, which is so good and it's so important. And like I said, don't get don't partner with fear and condemnation that if you planted bad seeds, God can come and, and, and cover them right. and make them beautiful again. Because remember, he's a God that turns ashes into beauty. Right. So things that That's weren't right. beautiful, Amen. he can begin to make beautiful. But we, you know, we just, there's a part of us where we just have to say, it's okay, I missed it here, but now God, I'm going to begin to be intentional and I'm going to... Um, to plant and then this is where like he can just make things like speed forward and do what only he can do you know he can make the beautiful things come forth so yeah hallelujah you know as you were talking i was thinking about um i heard this before that you know if you planted bad uh bad seeds wrong seeds and you're experiencing a bad harvest then you need to just believe god supernaturally for crop crop failure amen and see that be be done away with and see the seeds that that were there also be destroyed. Because what you don't want is to continue to perpetu- perpetuate something that is not of God. Here's a thought. Every seed comes from something. What does it come from? It comes from its own kind. Every seed produces after its own kind. Where are you getting your seeds? So if you want to talk about 
how, how you raise your children, how you discipline your children. You want to talk about, um, you know, your perspective on God and his love for you. You want to talk about, you know, how you treat people in the business world. I mean, you could go, the list could go on. Where are you getting your seeds from for the crop that you have in all of those areas? Because if you didn't get your seed from God, his word, his love, those things, then it's possible that you have seeds that are going to perpetuate even past you to leave a legacy that you don't want. But if you can start to plant the seeds that God has in his word and who he is and of his nature and his character, you're going to produce something that's going to last for generations. You know, some of, some of our, our most favorite people in the world, um, we can see this in their life. Billy Graham, you know, and his son Franklin Graham. Uh, Franklin's got a different anointing on him, but man, I love Franklin Graham. He is, that guy is awesome. And uh, he brings Jesus into everything. Every political situation, he's always preaching Jesus. And you know, Franklin is like, I forget, it's like a fifth or sixth generation uh, minister. And what's interesting is that there was a time when Franklin uh, veered away from the Lord. And uh, this, you, you know, you can find the testimony and watch the videos and whatever. It's just part of their story. But eventually, the seeds that were in him caused him to turn and come back to the Lord. And now he's the, the awesome man of God that he is today. We look at the... Um, the Johnson family, not this Johnson family, although this is an awesome Johnson family too, but, uh, you know, Bill uh, Bill and Benny Johnson and Bethel Church in California, we, we were able to draw some things from them. That's been a blessing to our lives. And they're like fifth generation, you know, ministers. And it's not about being uh, ministers, um, but it's about having a godly heritage, whether you're called into business, whether you're called into ministry, no matter what it is that you're called to do, it's about leaving a godly heritage or legacy because every generation that, that purifies themselves, not before the Lord, because that comes when you get born again. When you get saved, you get born again. God does the work on the inside of you that the vertical relationship is dealt with. But when every generation works to rid themselves of wrong thinking, wrong ideas, wrong attitudes, wrong emotions, and things that could perpetuate, but they cut it off, they throw it out, they throw it into the fire, then they can plant new things that the future generations are going to grab a hold of that instead of all the stuff that was in the past. My grandfather and my great-grandfather were both adulterers and murderers murderers. Hallelujah. But my dad was not an adulterer or a murderer, and neither am I. Hallelujah. You can cut things off to where your family has a godly legacy moving forward. Amen. So number three, here's uh, number three reality of a kingdom-minded parent is that they agree with what God says. Now, this is, seems very simple, but we're going to give you a little bit more understanding on this. They agree with what God says. Let's pull up 1 Timothy chapter 1, 18 through 20. We're going to focus on verse 18, but I want to read through 20 because I think it's funny. So um, this is the charge I commit to you, son Timothy. Notice the language, son. He was his son. According to the prophecies previously made concerning concerning you, that by them you may wage the good warfare. Now verse 19. Having faith and a good conscience, which some have rejected concerning the faith, uh, have suffered shipwreck. Listen, let me tell you this before I go on and read verse 20. People will suffer shipwreck when your faith gets abandoned. There's something about when a father, because Timothy was also a father. He pastored, he he led the church of Ephesus, and Paul was his leader. And there's something about people that stick with it, that stay with it, that keep trusting the Lord, that keep pressing in, that does something to the people underneath of them. 
Sometimes the younger generations are just watching to see if you'll quit. To see if you'll give up on the Lord because so many people do. Praise God. Verse 20, I just like this. I don't really like it, but it's funny. It says, of whom these people suffered shipwreck, of whom are Hymenaeus and Alexander, whom I delivered to Satan that they may learn not to blaspheme. So, you suffer shipwreck here. You better watch it because I'm, no, I'm just kidding. I'm not going to do that. There's more to this story. Amen. I'm not going to turn you over to Satan. All right. There's more to this story probably than what meets the eye. Um, they were probably into some really heinous stuff or whatever that that was the end result of what, what needed to happen. Um, but it goes to show you the importance of which we're going to talk about this. This will be our last point about prayer and praying for your your children, praying for the ones underneath of you, because how would you even turn somebody over to Satan for the destruction of their flesh so that they learn not to blaspheme? But another translation with another person, he told the Corinthian church, not another translation, but another part of the Bible, he told the Corinthians, he said, um, uh, he said to turn so-and-so over to Satan for the destruction of his flesh. Those are some pretty strong words. This is New Covenant, New Testament that he was saying to do this. And so how would you even do that? It's you remove the prayer covering from them. So there's great power in our prayers. We'll get to that in just a moment. But going back to verse 18, let's go back to this. This is so powerful. It says, this charge I commit to you, son Timothy, according to the prophecies, everyone say previously made, concerning you that by them you may wage the good warfare. Your children need to have prophetic words spoken over them. And I was thinking about this, and I went, and Liz and I were just talking about this last night, and, and I started thinking about this, and I went way off in the left field doing a little bit of research sitting there at the, the kitchen counter, and she's like, hello, come back to earth. But I, I went and looked, and just basically, approximately, depending on there's some discrepancy as, as to who wrote some of the books of the Old Testament, but uh, roughly half of the Bible was written by prophets. Now, that says something. Half of the Bible was written, and more, I would say probably close to three-fourths of it was either written or inspired by prophets. God thinks a lot of prophets and, and uh, prophecy, and I would say even having a prophetic culture within your own home, within your own heart, and that's why we have it in this church. Prophecy gives permission to step into what God has called you to. Prophecy gives permission to step into what God has called you to. And what I mean by that is that I've got different um, prophets and prophetic people in my life. And, you know, prophecy is supposed to bring confirmation of what the Lord is already saying. And, you know, sometimes it will also bring new ideas and you take that and go, wow, I never thought about that. You put it on a shelf and the Holy Spirit will help you revisit that in time if, if necessary. But largely what prophecy does is it confirms what God is already working in you. And so sometimes when you think, should I go this direction, prophetic words will give you the permission on the inside of you, not permission like, okay, I will allow it, but permission like, here's the firepower you need and the confidence you need to move in the direction that God has called you. We had, um, and I'll say this, and, and this is in no way dishonoring or anything, but it was just where my parents were at. I'm number three of four, and of course, three, third time's a charm. So, um, sorry, Katie. It's always great to have your, one of your siblings, and usually I have to pay for it later. But anyways, um, 
Uh, Katie and I have this interesting dynamic because we'll be, you know, she, her and I work so closely together and we'll be in conversation and people will walk in and it's like, is this pastor, uh, church administrator talking or is this brother and sister? And it's like, this is, this is brother and sister. All right. We get a little, Hey, no, I don't like that or whatever. So anyways, um, you can do that when you're siblings, but, um, you know, my parents, the first two kids, which Katie's number, number two, and then we have an older brother, they didn't particularly have the understanding that when the children, when their children were being born, to seek the Lord on a word for them, that they could run with that word for the rest of their life. But when it came to me, the revelation came to them, and <laughs> they later spoke words and prophesied over the older two. So it's fine. It's not a matter of when it comes, just so long that it does come. Amen. But there was something that shifted, and then with the, the, the last two, myself and my younger brother, they gave us words, and they gave us things even before, and God gave them things concerning us even before we were born. And so, the, you know, I'm not going to get into all of what, what the words were and stuff. That's, that's irrelevant. But the point is, is that when a child has prophecy, when a son has prophecy from the parents concerning what the Lord says about their life, it gives that child permission to succeed. It gives that child what they need. The blessing is in those words that come from the Lord to go the direction that God has called them to. You know, it says that when, it, when uh, uh, train up a child in the way they should go, when they grow, they won't depart from it. And a lot of us are still believing that about about kids and, and, and stuff like that and grandkids or wherever out in, in life with people that we have influence in. But here's the deal is that training them up in the way that they should go isn't necessarily the direction that you think they should go. It's the direction that God says they should go. I actually really don't like it whenever, you know, unless, you know, sometimes it's a, it's a word from the Lord, but a lot of times it's just grandma wanting their son to be in the shining light and be up preaching in front of people. And, you know, grandma or a mom will be like, that's my little preacher boy. He's going to be a preacher. He's going to be a preacher. He's going to be a preacher. And it was never a word from God. It better be a word from God if you're going to speak it over your children, because life and death are in the power of the tongue. And if you're walking in something that God hasn't called you into, you're walking in death, even if it's a good thing. You can have good success and you can have bad success. Good success is doing what God has told you to do regardless of the, I don't want to say regardless of the fruit, but it's just doing what God has called you to do. That's the ultimate success. That's good success. Bad success is doing something and you could make a million dollars and touch a whole bunch of people, but if God didn't call you to do it, that's bad success. And we want our children, we want them to be raised up to go in the direction that the Lord wants them to go. And when you train them up in that way, when they grow, they won't depart from it. And listen, you have to take this. You have to, I'm trying to talk fast. You can, you're not allowed to have condemnation over this. Hello. You cannot have condemnation over this. I'm talking fast here to get the point out. If you raise your kids up and you're like, man, I never even thought about that. Then just believe God for crop failure and, and pray and intercede and bless them all that much more. You are the greatest hope and help for them to step into what God has called for them, even if they're adult, even if they're adult children. That's right. And it's never too late to get a word from God for That's right. them. Come on. Because here's the thing, getting a, for our children, getting a word for them helps you direct them in the direction they should go. It gives them the power and the 
the umph to go forward, but it also gives you as the mother or father the staying yes. power yes. to continue to partner with the Lord, to continue no matter what you're seeing. That's right. Come or on. not seeing to stay because this is the word that God has given yes. me. Come on. And no matter what I'm seeing, I'm not going to react to the situation, but I'm going to respond to my father. That's right. And I'm going to call that thing forward. That's I'm right. Call Come on. that thing forward. Amen. And you know what? Then you don't even speak to the problem. You're like, okay, I see that you're doing this or I see that you're saying this, but this is actually who God says that you are. That's right. Come on. Um, This is actually what God said. So this is the thing that I'm actually going to say. I'm not going to partner with you because a lot of times, especially like the younger generation, they want to stir the parents up because they're going to see, do you really believe what you say that you believe? Or do you believe, are you going to be moved by your circumstances? And I'm saying, I'm not going to be moved by my circumstances. I'm going to partner with God and I'm going to say what he says, period. There are no ands. There are no ifs. There are no buts. This is what God says. This is the way that we're going to go. This is the way I'm going to respond to you. This is what I'm doing, period. Come on. Hallelujah. Praise God. Yeah. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. (laughs) Let's pull verse 18 back up here. Let me show you something that goes exactly with what she was talking about. So it says, according to the prophecies previously made. Again, this puts an emphasis on you give prophecies before people get into problems. If you're in problems, go ahead and get a word from the Lord anyways. But be preemptive about it. That by them you may wage the good warfare. Understand this, that prophecy is the Lord going into our future and bringing back the word that we need to overcome the obstacles between here and the place that God has called us. But this word wage here actually means to contend against carnal inclinations. And so here's how you, you, you view this. If you are the one receiving the word, and it's a word from the Lord, and you bear witness to it, you can take that word, and you take it in faith, because every word of God has to be taken in faith. Yes. You can take that word, and you can stand on it, and regardless of carnality you are dealing with, you can wage the war against carnal inclinations that would come against the word that God has called you to, and you can just stand there. Because I've had times about words that were spoken over me that I have been tempted to, ver- to, to stray from those words. But I, because I love God and I honor God and I fear God so much, I would come back to those words and say, you know what, Kent, you're not going to do this thing over here. You're not going to quit this over here. You're not going to stray off the path because this is what God says about you. And if God said something and if God declared something, you come into agreement with it and it will surely come to pass. Here's how you also can apply this. When you have children who are living carnal lives full of whatever they're doing, don't be moved by it. You don't be moved. And by the prophecies previously spoken over them, you wage the warfare against whatever carnality is going on, against whatever demonic stuff could be going on. You declare what God says about them. I was thinking about... The, the ability to, uh, to, to prophesy and release, we have no idea. We do not understand how powerful our words are. I'm just telling you, we, we don't get it. And I'm gonna, I want to read this passage to you here. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show you something. It's, it's incredible. But, you know, I was thinking about Jesus with, with the fig tree. 
And we, we use that, and I use that a lot of times to illustrate faith and the ability to, like, you know, bless and curse and all of that stuff. But, you know, you have to understand, you have the ability within your tongue to release life, but you also have the ability to release death. If your kid lies, don't call them a liar. Call them out on their lie. Don't call them a liar. If they're doing other stuff, don't call them what they're doing. Call it out, but call them and say what God says about them. Declare over them what the Lord has spoken about them. Declare the word of the Lord over their life. Even if you don't have a relationship with them and they won't receive what you say, in prayer, fight with what God says, not with what you're seeing. Because I was going to say, remember, we don't war against flesh and blood. We war against in the spirit. And so we have to remember that taking these words, they're spirit, and they are truth. And that is where the freedom comes from by speaking what God is saying. That's right. And um, so good. It's so good. Let like, me, I, I would, yeah, go, go ahead. ahead. No, go ahead. Okay, so I want to show you this in Luke. I need to read a few verses. I know we're getting, we're trying to be done. Uh, but my God, this is so good. Is anybody getting something out of this? I, I'm telling you, I, I, this morning, I, I kept feeling it all morning. And during worship, I leaned over to, to Liz and I said, something is going to shift in our people today. Something, this, there's something that's going to go like this in them. And I'm receiving that for myself too. Let's go to Luke. And we're going to read a few verses here because I want to set the table for this. This, this will really, really, this is so, this is so powerful. Luke chapter 1. And we're going to read verses 11 through 22. So just hang with me and just follow along with the story. It says, Then the angel of the Lord appeared to him. Now this is talking about uh, Zacharias, or Zechariah, uh, Zacharias. Um, and it was, so which was John the, John the Baptist's father, right? And so Elizabeth was John the Baptist's mother. Of Luke chapter 1. So it's referring to here. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him. Now I'm in verse 11 of Luke chapter 1. Standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zacharias saw him, uh, he was troubled and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zacharias, for your prayer is heard and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son and you shall call his name John. So here you have the Lord saying what God says over the child. Very important. And it says, and you will have uh, joy and gladness and many will rejoice at his birth for he will be a, a great in the sight of the Lord and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. He will also be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. He will also go before him, him, speaking of Jesus, in the spirit and in the power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to wisdom, to the wisdom of the just, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Can someone say that's a pretty important role that John was being prepared for? And it says in Zacharias said to the angel, how shall, I know th- how shall I know this? And so automatically, you can hear it in his language, there's some doubt creeping in there. And it says, for I am an old man, and my wife is well advanced in years. So here you have an angel of God appear before him, and he's doubting what the Lord is, is saying. And it says, and the angel answered and said to him, I am Gabriel, who stands in the presence of God. And was sent to speak to you and bring you these glad tidings. And the angel just went ahead and nipped this thing in the butt right away. Because he says, listen, John, I'm reading between the lines. And he is saying, what John has to do is too important for you to mess this thing up. We're going to deal with this. It says, but behold, you will be mute 
and not able to speak until the day these things take place, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their own time. And the people waited for Zacharias and marveled that he lingered so long in the temple. But when he came out, he could not speak to them, and they perceived that he had seen a vision in the temple, for he beckoned to them and remained speechless. Now, let's jump forward to verse 57. This is, this is so good. And it says, now Elizabeth's full time came for her to be delivered. Usually you deliver the baby, but she was so desperate to get that child out that she needed delivered. Anyways, and she brought forth a son. When her neighbors and relatives heard how the Lord had shown great mercy to her, they rejoiced with her. So it was on the eighth day that they came to circumcise the child, and they would have called him by the name of his, of his father, Zacharias. His mother answered and said, no, he shall become John. Now, let me tell you something here. How did she know his name would be called John? Now, it's possible that the Lord appeared to her, but we don't know that that would be a supposition. My guess is that John communicated what the name would be in some other form or fashion than speaking because he, he couldn't speak. That's how important our words are. But they said to her, there is no one among your relatives who is called by this name. So they made signs to his father what uh, would have what he would have him called, and he asked for a writing tablet. Good idea, and wrote saying, "His name is John." So they all marvelled. Immediately, his his mouth was open and his tongue loose, and he spoke, praising God. You can imagine after not being able to speak for whatever nine or ten months or whatever it was. Your children's destiny is tied to your tongue. There's been times that I wish that I could have gone back and had the Holy Spirit tie my tongue. So let me say this to you. Let the Holy Spirit tie your tongue in the future where it needs to be tied and loosed where it needs to be loosed. I was going to say, not just physical children, but also spiritual exactly. children. Like their destinies are dependent upon what you're going to speak over them. Like God wants you to partner with him and yes. pushing them forward. We still like we have to stop partnering with them and who they were and start looking and saying, God, who just like though if you read on it says like what what kind of child will this be we need to have those eyes and we need to have those thoughts and we need to see people and we need to say god who do you say that they are it's not like we we need to do this we need to see people and we need to say god who do you say that they are? And it is amazing how quickly he will drop a word in your mouth and then you can speak it forth because we are called to raise people up. We are called to push people forward. We are called to be the ones that propel people into destiny, not keep them tied to where they are bound. That's Come right. on. Yeah. We don't want to be the ones that are keeping people tied to where they were. We want to be the ones that loose those bounds and push them forward right. by partnering with God. That's right. 
You Come go on. on to read, and Zacharias then began to prophesy and say who John would be so that the people could hear. Yeah. And when they heard, then they could grab a hold of it also, and they could continue to partner with what his father said and be the body of Christ in the true ecclesia and continue to push John the Baptist forward because who knows that he had a great work to do. He had a destiny to accomplish, and he needed Needed, the Lord needed people, and he needed people who were here on this earth to partner with what God said and push him forward so that he could be the one to prepare the way of the Lord. And how uh, how much more do we need to be the ones who will go and prepare yeah. the way of the Lord? There is a lost and a dying world, and we need to stop partnering with the lost and dying world, and we need to begin to partner with the Lord and prepare the way come on to link people to their purposes and destinies right. and see them be who God created them to be and it doesn't matter what age they are it doesn't matter what age they are because remember kingdom is forever so you can start beginning to prophesy over older people and over younger people and over people who are yeah. in the wounds and come over on. the people who are even yet to be born that's right and over the lives that are trying to be taken Come on. Hallelujah. Amen. We're going to wait and we're going to do number four next week. We're going to finish this because it's too big of a thing to talk about and just we're out of time. But I want to say this about getting a word over, over your children. And when I say your children, I, again, I'm, I'm using it in a very broad term of people that God's called you to have an influence, direct influence in their life. The story of Samson was a really incredible story. And what happened was, and we were just reading this, but what happened was um, whenever he was, uh, was he about ready to be born? Is that right? Was she pregnant with him? She, she was barren. She was barren, but was going, that's right. And then the word of the Lord came to her that she would have a child. And, and of course, the child was, was going to be Samson and gave um, all these things concerning Samson. And that was given to uh, his mother. I forget her name, but the father's name was Manoah. And uh, there's regular Noah, and then there's Manoah. But um, Manoah, his father, an angel of the Lord had appeared to, to Samson's mother. But the father received that information from her secondhand. So what he said was to soon to be Samson's mother. I want you to inquire and see if that person will come back and tell me personally firsthand. And here's the reason I'm saying this. You can't just go off of what somebody else has said. You need your own relationship with the Lord for God to speak to you concerning the people that he has entrusted to you in your life. You have to make it a point to go to the Lord and say, God, give me a word for them. Give me something to speak over them. Help me see the destiny, the, the plans that you have for their life. And then that's what you begin to speak over. You can't just take what somebody else says. You need to hear it from God yourself. Thank you, Jesus. If God is changing your life through this ministry, join us in reaching others by partnering with us today. If you would like to give or would like more information on how we are making a difference, visit ociperryville.com.